Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Asia Atwood. She is CEO and co-founder of Trella Technologies. We're going to talk to her about the work they do in the cannabis space. Really kind of interesting background, interesting innovation, interesting engineering, really how they came up with it and why focus on this area and really kind of the motivation or the impact they want to have on the cannabis space. Some interesting things and a fascinating part is cannabis, all the kind of cultivation, the growing side, uh, obviously a huge, hugely important part of cannabis, also a highly evolving part of cannabis as we get into bigger and bigger production facilities and yields and um, really making this, um, you know, a, a sort of an agricultural product, you know, all the things we need to do to make that uh, work at scale. So with that, Asia, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we kind of get into everything you're doing with Trella and the technology you've developed, let's talk about background and how you got into this. Like, what was your professional background? How did cannabis come up? Tell us the story. Yeah, yeah. I came out of the corporate space. <laughs> spent, <laughs> I spent, and a lot of people in the cannabis space that are now in it have done, you know, the same thing as me. Started in the corporate space, did about 15, 16 years in what's called the um, property risk engineering space, specifically focusing on 
how to protect customers and clients from having too much damage from hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, hail, all those lovely disasters that we're um, (laughs) (laughs) experiencing all over the world, you know, to date. So I started there, but I always had my eye on other things outside of my corporate, my corporate gig, got into day trading software that I created. And then I got into a couple of other things with real estate and then decided that cannabis might be something that might be of interest. And that really came from something that I was trying to find for myself. You know, in addition to to working, I also played sports um, and played it on the weekends. And um, it's called, you know, what they call those those weekend warriors where you play. (laughs) (laughs) I I was playing women's professional football. So it was full pads, helmet, impact, the whole nine. I I played flag football, then moved into the tackle element for three years. And you know, it's, you're doing it for the for the love. You're not getting um. There's no you know physical yeah, therapist that's there, in, or you know some <laughs> or or you know lots of doctors available to help you when you get injured, et cetera. So a lot yeah. of it was trying to find ways to kind of medicate um, and do pain relief for yourself. So I got into I was always a recreational cannabis user, but didn't really know much about the medical benefits until about 2013, 2014. Got into researching a lot about it, learning about it. And then eventually in 2015 in Massachusetts, we were able to grow in our homes. And that's when I turned to my wife and said, it's legit now. Are you good with with growing in the home? And she said, yes. So that's what kind of started me on this path of growing and growing indoors and um, opened up a, a lot of other pathways ever since. Yeah. And what what do you find, like, when you kind of got involved in cannabis as an industry, like, what were the, you know, what was that like? What were the surprises? What were the things you needed to learn? I mean, clearly, you've had some pretty extensive professional experience otherwise. Like, what what applied? What didn't apply? Tell me about that transition. Yeah, you know, when I got into it, it was on the East Coast, I'll say, 2015-ish or so. Industry was very new. Not a lot of people doing much. Um, A lot of the underground people that had been advocating for um, medicinal or even recreational use, they've always been there, but they were hard to find. So you had to start out in the and and I think this is something that a lot of people don't do anymore, and they probably should, is start out from the advocacy part of things. So that's what I did. I joined a group called Women Grow and then changed to something else later, but to just learn about the industry and figure out what, what is this and learned quickly that in 2015, it wasn't anything like my corporate experience. It was and it still is, you know, an open playing field. A lot of regulations had not been, haven't been written. It was like a big startup. The, you know, the industry just had a lot of potential. There were any wrong or right ways to do anything. A lot of freedom, a lot of freedom to create and do things the way that you might want to do it. So for me, it was a, a breath of fresh air, especially because I was still working my full-time job and did that all the way up until 2019. So it was always this, you know, it was like the playground. It was like a, a place where I can actually play, create, and get compensated on top of it. So yeah, it was, and it still is, it still, it still has that element, but it has changed and things are more kind of set in stone and we've got more regulations now, uh, but there's still a lot of freedom and creativity out there. So uh, we're going to play as, as long as we possibly can. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And, and where did you first, like, I guess, how did the process go? Like you wanted to get involved in cannabis, you saw some opportunities. How, how did you go from general interest and kind of motivation to actually looking at products or, or developing your kind of first solution? How did that come about? How did, how did that evolve as you kind of brought it to market? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first started learning about cannabis, I, I remember standing in front of the TV, watching some documentary or something like that. And I said, there's room for me in this industry. I just don't know where. 
And I didn't want to approach it from the typical, let's apply for a license and, you know, have a retail space or a dispensary or something. You know, I didn't want to go in, in the typical method because I knew that that's where a lot of people were going to go and that there was going to be a lot of yellow tape um, associated with that. So let's figure out something else. And ran into a friend of mine who was also thinking about doing something in this space. And we developed um, a solution. This was before Trello. This is uh, prior to that. We developed a a solution to grow just one plant indoors. And uh, I joined that team, but only I was only on that team for about a year and a half. And it was enough for me to know that this is definitely what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also enough for me to, to know how I wanted to do it and that I wanted to do something different than what I was currently doing. So I left that, that, that project and sat for like six to nine months just thinking. And I was um, away, yes, yeah, away at the time and um, a light bulb just hit. And I, and I said, you know, here I am away from my plants growing in my own basement and I have things automated with lights. I have HVAC, residential setup style. I've got uh, my, my nutrients that I'm dosing out pH is being monitored with a doser. Everything's automated. But the one thing that I could not figure out was how to stop these plants from growing into my lights. <laughs> they would just grow grow out of control if you were gone for, you know, a few days. And I traveled a lot during that time, a lot. Right. And um, said, I wonder if there's a way to automatically control the height of these things uh, so that you don't have to be there all the time. And got in touch with um, another engineering friend of mine, Andres Jamaro. We call him Dre. He's the co-founder of Trella, got together with him and um, said, I wonder if this is something that we can do. And we did some research, found that there weren't any solutions that automatically controlled the issue. So we said, let's get to work on trying to figure it out. And um, before we really went full steam ahead, luckily I ran into an angel investor who said, "Um, before you put a lot of energy into all of this, AJ, why don't you really make sure that there's a use case, not just for you, um, but for others. So did some research for the next three months or so and found that the cannabis space was obviously going to have to have an indoor, a heavy indoor component to it in order for it to be year round optimized for environmentals. You know, outdoor is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love outdoor grow, but it's not available or the best use uh, case for every situation. And indoor is, is going to be there. So I said, why don't we figure out how we can get into that indoor space. There's vertical farming where people are stacking plants on top of one another on multiple levels. You've got, you know, four and five tiers of cannabis plants that need to be tended to and need to have the height controlled because they're in a, a fixed height space. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that, this might be something that they can use too. So yeah. when we started to design it, we really tried to keep that in the forefront of our mind of the, the picture of the warehouse with four to five tears growing and, and how do people maintain and keep control of all that that foliage mm-hmm. um, all that that biomass so that's uh that's where that's when we got going we, yeah. we started in 2016 and before that wh- i mean how did people deal with this issue i mean they just let the plants grow into the lights or they'd have to manually reposition the lights as they went i mean what was the what was the solution you're working against or or trying to uh you know replace yeah yeah well people are dealing with it kind of in two buckets i call it one is the um, grow, grow them short and flip them fast method, which is like a sea of, it's called sea of green. Um, S-O-G is the acronym that some people use. Got it. And you're growing a plant for like two to four weeks in the veg phase. And then you, you flip it, the flower very quickly before it gets too tall. So you're, you're basically just keeping it to a certain height by changing the, the duration of how long you let it grow. And then there's the other method of training on them by like tying them down, spreading them out and training them 
by hand, and a lot of people will use what's called the screen of green method, SCROG. Um, so it's S-C-R-O-G, SCROG, screen of green. And that's a very, very popular method, really great with yield, um, does a really great job at increasing your yield, allows you to spread the canopy out so that you can, um, so that the light can penetrate and really get in there and, and you can get some good biomass and, and buds from it. So we knew that those were the two solutions. One is, you know, grow them fast and flip them. Um, and the other is do it by hand. So for the people that are not able to do it by hand at scale or for some other reason, we decided, why don't we automate that screen of green process and see if we can automatically create that even wide canopy. And then for the individuals who are growing them short and um, flipping them fast, they need a lot of cuttings. There's a lot of, you, if you're going to do that method, you need a lot of plants, which means you need a lot of cuttings, which means you need really productive mother plants. So why don't we develop a, a system that works really great for mother plants to hold them in the vegetative state, keep them under control and allow your, your mother plants to be stacked so you can so commercial growers can free up uh, some floor space and not use all that space for their mother plants. Got it. So, yeah, that, we did consider the alternatives, yeah. which people are doing, dealing with yeah. right now. And how did you go from sort of having the idea or seeing the problem, kind of conceptualizing the solution to actually having kind of working prototypes and things in place that was actually proving that this was a viable solution for folks? Yeah, yeah, that's where the fun begins. So it's like, okay, you... you <laughs> Exactly. We, we say we can do it. Now, how, how, how are we going to do this? It sounded great in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dre and I got together. We, we brainstormed really well together. And we're both engineers. And we both we got together and just started sketching out ideas and discussing things. I did a lot of studying on, on plant growth and phototropism. And he brought to the table a lot of uh, equipment and access to hardware um, and technology so that we could start developing some prototypes to test out some of these, these ideas. Uh, so we developed our own prototypes, and we have, we, you know, we, we even still build our own. We're a very hands-on, we design it, we build it kind of company mm -hmm. in this current phase. That's where we are. But um, getting back to what I was saying about uh, Dre, so we developed the prototypes, and we did some, some grow trials. And let me back up for a bit. When we brainstormed, we had like 12 different ideas that we thought might make sense. We narrowed those down to three. And then we did some hands-on manual testing to try to mimic what we were going to automate for the first couple of, of kind of prototypes. And then on the fourth prototype, I believe my memory serves me correctly, we stepped into automating that process that we, that we developed. So it was really what's called low-stress training. And low-stress training is when you just bend gently the, the top of the plant or the branches without too much excess. You don't want to be aggressive with it. You want to slowly bend them. You can you know, tie them and, and gently tighten them every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some people do that. There, if you go on Instagram, there are some incredible, and other you know, social media platforms, there are some incredible visuals of cannabis plants that have been low-stress trained. LST is the, is the term. So we tried to figure out how can we do that automatically by just gently holding the top of the plant down so that it grows sideways over time. So that's really what we do. We, we mimic the low-stress training method. You really only make contact with the stem of the plant in two locations. And um, it's, it, there's not, you know, it's very gentle, very slow, and it moves with the rate of growth of that plant. So if the plant grows fast, our device will grow with it and also track that so that you know what caused it to grow, to grow fast. So, yeah, that was a lot of, we did, I think we're on design number eight right now. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. 
And now back to our program. And how, tell me about go-to-market. I mean, as so you have a solution that you've validated, you know, performs the task or, or fixes the problem that you identified in the market. Like, how has it been actually then figuring out how do you sell this thing? Who are you selling it to? What does the process look like? Distribution? I mean, what, how how far down this path have you gotten from a market point of view? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's when the engineering, two engineers... <laughs> <laughs> needed to look around for some help. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are in a box and we cannot figure out how to get out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we are not marketing uh, gifted. And uh, so, you know, we had to first find a team of, of people that were in alignment with the mission, the vision, understood what we were trying to do. And um, we found a great group of individuals, some that are still with us, some that have moved on to other positions. But really, Dre and I had to lean on other people to help us with that a lot. Let, getting the word out. One of the things that helped us a ton uh, was um, doing what's called regulation crowdfunding. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So I don't know how familiar you or your, your audience might be with it, but um, a little bit. Why, why don't you cover it from your point of view? Because we haven't we haven't covered it much on this podcast. So okay, give us, cool. Give us the details. Cool. So a lot of people have heard of crowdfunding, uh, Indiegogo, and uh, you know, or GoFundMe or something like that, where you're basically going out and asking the community to donate or to buy something in advance. But equity crowdfunding is a way of going out to the community to ask them to invest in your company. It was yeah. something that just started in 2016. So it's not like um, well known. It's still, it's still, you know, in its infancy. And you do have to go through uh, and file paperwork with the SEC. So it's not like you're a public company, but it's similar to it. Mm-hmm. But what it, what it causes you to do is you have to kind of tell your story. You have to yeah. tell your story. You have to show the people what it is that you're trying to do and you have to convince them or, or get buy-in on, that the idea makes sense. And we started regulation crowdfunding in, uh, I think it was 2018 and we've been doing it ever since. And it's a way for us to get some capital into the company, but it also helped us to get our first customers. They came through our regulation crowdfunding um, channel and, you know, they were people who invested a little bit of money that, you know, this is... you. This is for all people. You don't have to be an accredited investor. Um, an accredited investor is, means, you know, a high, a high net worth. So this yeah. is something that's much more accessible, much more accessible for everyone. And that's another reason why we wanted to do it was we wanted to get the community buy-in and, and to create something that not just, you know, one person could run off and, and, and have success with, but that a group of people could. And I think it, the cannabis plant and the advocacy that I started with and the community impact, like all of that type of stuff is what really pushed us down that regulation crowdfunding path, but it also really helped marketing too. Yeah, I'm sure. I guess, what did you learn in that process? I mean, as you brought this to get to raise money, like what were the questions people were asking? What was what was the story that seemed to resonate? I'm always curious about, particularly on the, the crowdfunded investment side, like what was that process like for you in terms of actually evolving the business? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a new innovation. You know, it's something that's never been created before. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also like a problem that most people don't know they, they have. They've been working with it. They've been manually training the plants and they've been growing them short. It's just kind of what the industry does. Yeah. So for us, we learned that people would see it and they go, wow, that's cool. But then after that, it's, well, how do you convert that cool, you know, from cool to a purchase? <laughs> exactly. a, a, a per- Money a in purchase. the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's when we really had to, uh, step back and go, we need more education. We need to, to really do a better job, I think, of explaining why this was created and how it can be a benefit to growers. Um, not all growers, because there's some growers out there that love to grow and love to train their plants. They like to do creative, 
you know, things with it. Awesome. And that was one of the things that we learned too. Regulation crowdfunding was who, who are we for? Who are we, who are we not for? And we definitely learned that we are for individuals who need to train their plant and keep them at a certain height at scale um, or because they just can't be there, whether it's from travel or, you know, trying to save costs on operating costs or you're growing in a container farm that's, you know, two states away and you're trying to find a way to reduce how many times you have to go to that, that state. Um, yeah, that, we're for those individuals. Yeah. So it helped us to, it helped us to identify who we're for, and uh, we're still getting better and better at that every day. You know, we're always learning more and more every day. Yeah. And what have been some of the challenges, you know, other than just the kind of the product stuff? I mean, you know, getting, getting the solution right. Like as you've built the business, like what have kind of, I always, always love hearing kind of the, the hurdles people have had to overcome to launch these businesses, particularly in cannabis. Like what, what are some of the things that have come up that, that you had to kind of overcome? Yeah. Well, we are not cannabis touching, but we are cannabis adjacent. And depending on the situation too adjacent. And that did cause some some issues. And still from time to time we might get some pushback because we're we're too close to cannabis. But it, it hasn't been a tremendous hurdle. And I think, you know, we don't need to get a license to operate. So that's yeah. one thing that we um one thing that we've been able to, to deal with. And what we've done instead is to partner up and do R and D with people who have a license or who grow at scale so we don't have to figure that out. But I mean, typical hurdles. I mean, every, everybody who started a company prior to 2020 had a, had a huge hurdle in 2020. We did too. We're a hardware company. We're also a software company. We have a hardware component where we building something that is has robotics and, and automation. So those are you know, there's a lot of moving parts. We also have an app that tracks how fast the plant's growing and tracks temp- temperature, humidity, and, and CO2. So that had to be developed as well. Mm-hmm. And then you got you got to pay for all that stuff. You got to pay for the the first builds. You got to pay for the you know the small batch orders. And we we did it all with co-founders and the regulation crowdfunding the community. Um, mm-hmm. So finding creative ways to do things with a, a low a, a small or smaller than what most people would want <laughs> budget um, was it was an incredible hurdle. And then so when COVID you know when the pandemic came around. Some of the things that we were trying to do, um, such as, and they were expensive things too. Like we were, we we, we had a, a contract manufacturer. We were we were going to make that leap to no longer make everything ourselves and to have somebody else do that for us. And when the pandemic hit, that location wasn't accessible. Um, yeah. And then you know the investors that you were you know we were we were scheduled to go pitch at uh, um, South by Southwest. Yeah. We were um, 2020 South by Southwest. We had a spot to uh, pitch our company, um, yeah. and we were really looking forward to it, getting prepared. And that was April and March, it was canceled. So that just kind of the contract manufacturer, the the South by Southwest just kind of made me go, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. You're going to have to switch it up and figure out something else. And with all the time that you had to sit and contemplate, it really gave me a chance to um, figure out, all right, we need to build. So we'll build again ourselves. We've done it before. We can do it again. And we can do this. And let's also start thinking about food, not just cannabis, but also getting into the food space because there's there's a increased need that's developing there as well. Yeah. Do you find it's easier? Because I've seen a lot of companies come from, you know, traditional agriculture, you know, into cannabis. And I'm starting to see some companies that are cannabis companies, but are looking to kind of go into other agricultural products. I mean, what, what are you noticing about kind of the ease of going one way versus the other way? Any insights there? You know, I definitely, I think it was maybe 2018 or so, I was doing a talk at MIT 
and this was before I could even really say what Trello was. I was just kind of hinting it that we're doing something because mm-hmm. <laughs> we hadn't, we didn't have our patent yeah. then. Yeah. But I said, you know, this to us, it, cannabis is a, is a, a catalyst, um, a way to fuel technology for all agriculture, not just for food. I think that the money that's being spent on developing all of these solutions to grow cannabis and to harvest cannabis and to process cannabis, all of that uh, improvement, that innovation is going to merge, going to go into uh, you know, the, the, the food industry. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm not surprised to see it. That's, that was our, our play was start with, with cannabis and then let's migrate into the other, um, the other type of plants. Yeah. And what are you looking at in terms of kind of the future of this market? I mean, is there any big changes you're hoping for, whether it's, you know, regulatory structure, legal status, you know, banking laws, state regulations, anything that you've got your kind of eye on, that would really change the nature of your business, either you know, good or bad. <laughs> I don't know, Bruce. I think I have to honestly tell you, I, I'm at the point now where I'm like, who's to say what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not worth the effort. <laughs> who's we'll deal to with say? It when it happens. I have I have my long term like goal. Yeah, and you know, and and we want to get to the point where we're able to, whether it be exit or or, or something like that. But from that to there. You know, we've got some other milestones and some ideas, but there's always something that might change. I mean, if if we go, if we if we go to the federal level, I think that's going to shake the industry. Yeah. And and I think yeah. we can guess, you know, to the cows come home on, on how it will change the industry. But I mean, the the MSOs, those, and in, in just transporting across state lines, like it's just going to, it's really going to rock things. Um, yeah. So that I think that would be maybe the the biggest shake, but I don't see that happening, um, unfortunately for. For a few years. Yeah, I think everyone's putting it at least a couple of years out. And even then, like the the things that then would need to change. I mean, just just getting federal legal status change doesn't necessarily immediately overnight change everything. Like then it's got to ripple through the system, and then you know banks got to change their policies. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before it really hits the day to day of the industry. But yeah, it's it's interesting to look at just like strategically, like where does it position certain companies and certain products and, and things. So I'm, I'm always kind of curious where people are putting it on their strategy maps. But Isra, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the products you're working on developing, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, uh, please go to our website. Um, that is Trella, T-R-E-L-L-A dot I-O, Trella dot I-O. Or you can email me, Aja, my first name, at Trella dot I-O, or email us. Um, at trello.io if you just want to hit the the regular general mailbox. Um, But yes, please do reach out to us. Like I said, we're, you know, we partner up with people to do the growing. And if anyone is out there that's interested in that, please email us. If you're interested in learning more about the regulation crowdfunding that we do, especially I think by the time this airs, uh, we'll be up again. Yeah. So please go to trello.io. The information will definitely be there. Awesome. I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes so people can get that. Asia, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much, Bruce. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.